Welcome to JHE Ministries. I'm Jeffrey, Minister and Chaplain with JHE Ministries, and I'm glad you joined us today. My message entitled Your 401k comes from the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. And because of time, I'm not going to read that passage, so feel free to look that up in your own Bible and read that scripture. But many today are concerned with investing in their future. Will Rogers is quoted as being asked, what's considered enough money? And the reply was, just a little bit more. How much money is enough? Many would say, just a little bit more. Our society today has pushed this idea of being wealthy, that wealth brings happiness and fulfillment. The strive for more, the bigger house, the fancy cars, expensive clothes, and all the material possessions. The idea is of being greater because wealth places you in a higher social class. But does any of this bring total fulfillment? Many every day give up happiness and live miserable lives just to attain wealth. Many put their faith in money and what money can buy. They thank the almighty dollar for everything they have in life. And this leads to greed. Now, in this parable from Luke, we have a warning against greed. What is greed and what is the problem with greed? Well, greed is essentially self-centeredness. We want something for ourselves, and we don't care what others may want or need. Greed deceives us into thinking that nothing is more important in life than our money and our possessions. A greedy person is someone whose primary goal in life is to get more and more of something they want, and their whole focus is on getting it. We usually think of money when we think of greed, but a person can be greedy for other things like food, fame, possessions, prestige. Greed is destructive, and a greedy person is never satisfied. Greed comes from within ourselves, from within our own hearts and our own minds. And that's why we need Christ, because only God can forgive our sin and our selfishness and replace it with his love and his compassion. The problem with greed is that, first of all, A greedy person allows things to take the place of God in his life. Instead of putting God and and his will first, they put money and material wealth first. Another problem with greed is that a greedy person is concerned only with himself, and he overlooks the needs of others. Greed can lead others to sins of jealousy and even envy. Tell me what you think about money, and I will tell you what you think about God. Because these two things are closely related. A man's heart is closer to his bank account than anything else. In years past, people have spent 10 times as much for luxuries and non-essentials as they have for all charitable and religious needs. Now this shows how shallow and superficial people have become, especially for the religious faith. In our parable, a man stepped out from the crowd who recognized Jesus as a teacher and expected him to render a judgment in ethical matters. He asked Jesus to settle a dispute between his brother and himself over an inheritance. Now, we're not told whether the man was being deprived of his rightful portion or whether he was greedy for more than his share. 
And in biblical times, rabbis were often consulted in this manner. And Jesus' refusal to answer is not a denial of his right or his ability to answer, nor of his concern for social and ethical matters. Rather, Jesus turns directly to an area in which others have no right to judge, namely the question of motivation. And Jesus quickly reminded him that he had not come into the world to handle these trivial matters. The purpose of his coming involved the salvation of sinful men and women. He would not be deflected from this grand and glorious mission to divide a pitiful inheritance. Now, Jesus' audience is probably now the whole crowd and not just these two brothers. The issue revolves around the very nature of life. Greed seeks worldly things, which must not be equated with true living. In fact, material possessions become a substitute for the proper object of a person's search and worship of God. And therefore, greed is idolatry. The Lord used this incident to warn his hearers against one of the most insidious evils in the human heart, namely covetousness. This insatiable lust for material possessions is one of the strongest drives in all of life, and yet it completely misses the purpose of human existence. One's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. To look about, one would think that a man's life did consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Men think they become great just in proportion as they gather wealth. And so it seems, too, that the world measures men by their bank accounts. Yet there never was a more fatal error. A man is really measured by what he is, not what he has. The Bible also says a greedy man stirs up dissension, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. And scriptures also tell us that the love of money is a root of all evil. The emphasis is on the word love. It's not the money, but the love of it. And that is the problem. It's not wrong to want to work hard and provide for your family. But greed drives us to seek more and more, and a greedy person is never satisfied with what they already have. Instead of controlling their money, their money ends up controlling them. A greedy person becomes consumed with their material things and their wealth, and anything and anyone that gets in the way is pushed aside. And the Bible also says in the book of Matthew, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And greed destroys. It destroys us. And it destroys those around us. And you can't serve two masters. The key, however, is to make Christ and not things the center and foundation of your life. A John D. Rockefeller, who was an American businessman and widely considered the wealthiest American of all time, once stated that if your only goal is to become rich, you'll never achieve it. The parable of the rich fool illustrates the fact that possessions are not the principal thing in life. Now, because of an exceptionally good crop, this wealthy farmer in our parable was faced with what seemed to him a very distressing problem. He did not know what to do with all the grain. 
All of his barns and silos were crammed to capacity. He decided to pull down his barns and build bigger ones. Now, he could have saved himself the expense and the bother of this tremendous construction project if he had just looked on the needy world about him and used these possessions to satisfy hunger, both spiritually and physically. The poor, the houses of widows, the mouths of children are the barns which last forever. And then in our parable, as soon as his new barns were built, he planned to retire. And notice his spirit of independence, my barns, my fruits, my goods, my soul. He had the future all planned. He was going to take his ease and eat, drink, and be merry. But God told him that he would die that very night. Then he would lose ownership of all of his material possessions. They would fall to someone else. And someone has to find a fool as one who plans end at the grave. This man surely was a fool. And God asked this man that if he died, then who would get his possessions? We might well ask ourselves that very question. If Christ should come today, who would receive all my possessions? How much better to use them for God today than to let them fall into the devil's hands tomorrow? We can lay up treasure in heaven with them now and thus be rich toward God. Or we can squander them on flesh and from the flesh reap corruption. Someday the things of this earth will vanish and the only thing that will matter is our relationship to Christ. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now the man in the parable expresses in his words the attitude that Jesus understood not only in this man, but about others. The word fool is used in the Old Testament sense of one who rejects the knowledge and precepts of God as a basis for life. God addresses the man on his own pragmatic terms, dealing not with matters of the kingdom or life beyond death, but with the question of the disposition of his possessions. And this underscores the fact that he will have to leave it all. And Jesus declined to enter into this man's selfish family dispute and didn't attempt to run everybody else's business. Instead, Jesus replied with a parable about the consequences of greed. And the lesson of this story offered the man eternal riches if he allowed Jesus' words to change his life. The rich fool had gotten his money honestly through the productiveness of his land, but nevertheless, he was a fool in God's eyes because he had his heart set on this world and not on the world to come. Rich in this world, a pauper in the next. This world lasts only a little while, and the other world lasts forever. Now, while the Bible warns us against greed and selfishness, it does encourage frugality and thrift. Even Jesus said to his disciples after he fed the multitude, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. And although our Lord had the power to create, he himself lived frugally and without luxury. And John Wesley had a threefold philosophy about money. He said, make all you can, keep all you can, and give all you can. 
Most of us get all we can, spend all we can, and borrow all we can, and then give meagerly to God. When a man becomes a Christian, he becomes industrious, trustworthy, and prosperous. And John Wesley also said, Now that if man, when he gets all, saves all he can, does not give all he can, I have more hope for Judas Iscariot than for that man. And Bob Dylan once said that all the money you made will never buy back your soul. Proverbs teaches us that he who trusts in the riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. The most important possession you can have is Christ and his gift of eternal life. And the greatest legacy we can ever leave to the next generation is the example of a life that was lived for Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. Be sure to come back next time. And until then, keep living Christian strong.